When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Thought for tuning in tonight. Tomorrow at 11 a.m. It's the face-off show. The game is at 1. Oilers and Blackhawks. Game 1. The Big L text again. He says, uh, Reed, I was excited when the Blackhawks won their three recent cups. Pre-Taves, pre-New Arena, and pre-Kane, and especially pre-The Sharp Trade. They were Oilers' decade of darkness terrible. That is from the Big L. Uh, The Blackhawks had a tough decade. They weren't quite as uh, lousy year after year as the Oilers were, but they did go 10 years with just one playoff appearance. And I'm just double-checking. I believe they only won one playoff game. Uh, they missed the playoffs 98, 99, 2000, 2001. They made the playoffs in 02, lost 4 1 to the Blues, and then they missed the playoffs another four years. And uh, eventually they got going. 09, they made it to the conference finals. And then uh, 2010, won the Stanley Cup. 2013, won the Stanley Cup. 2015, won the Stanley Cup. Since then, a seven game loss to the Blues, a sweep at the hands of the Predators, and then out of the playoffs in both. 18 and 19. It all starts tomorrow. Connor McDavid with his expectations for the pace of game one. Yeah, definitely. It's been a long training camp. Um, you know, I'm definitely glad uh, we've gotten to this point and we can get started tomorrow. And definitely really excited about it. Um, you know, for guys that have been here a long time, we've talked about playoffs for a few years and haven't been able to get there. So this is a great opportunity for us. You know, our first game against Calgary didn't feel too much too different, uh, even without fans. So I would expect uh, game one to, to be no different. All right. Quick traffic note, by the way. Nora writes in, anyone leaving Edmonton going south on QE2 should be prepared to be tied up in traffic. She recommends using 2A at about Wetaskiwin. All right. Bring you some traffic here on Inside Sports as well. 780-496-0063. Your predictions for Oilers-Hawks. What player who is not one of the Oilers' stars do you think has the best chance to step up like Pisani in 2006? And uh, you can send a Stanley Cup prediction in there as well, too. Want to quickly update what's going on with the Canadian Football League. Maybe it's better to say what is uh, not going on with the Canadian Football League. Former member of the Edmonton Eskimos, uh, now known as the EEs, and now with the Toronto Argonauts, it is receiver Natea J. Natea, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Um, hope you guys are doing well there in Edmonton. Yeah, we're doing all right. Uh, I know you you enjoyed your time here, and uh, it's always great to have you on the show. So we, we do appreciate that. Uh, as a member of the CFL Players Association to take, can you tell us uh, the, the latest updates you have received? Uh, we got an email um, not too long ago just outlining the frustration uh, within the PA. Um, they were telling us that uh, the CFO had not uh, met the deadline once again. Um, basically, that all non-monetary things had been kind of uh, hashed out and maybe agreed to. But when it comes to monetary stuff, it's not uh, anywhere where the CFO is ready to talk. So they're just waiting on the CFO to talk to them, um, talk to us about you know, monetary things, and we start those talks. So 
And they they left it off with, you know, it's frustrating, um, obviously, uh, as a member, but they they told the membership pretty much, you know, continue to look for uh, employment opportunities and um, and hope for the worst. So that was kind of the message today. So when they say monetary stuff, does that mean how you guys would get paid or just how they would stage the season in a hub city in Winnipeg in general? Or both. Yeah, just just about you know health and safety stuff has kind of been um, worked out, I think. Um, but monetary is just like you said, um, how we'd get paid. You know, percentages. What percentage would go to us? What percentage of whatever funding we get goes to the league and operating that bubble and you know things of that nature. So they they're not ready to talk about that quite yet. But um, yeah, all the other stuff I think uh, like player safety related has been has been kind of figured out within the league and uh, the PA. Uh, when when do you need to know something here? I mean, the, the deadline's now been yeah. pushed back a couple of times. Yeah, there's been two deadlines. Honestly, at this point, guys are like, uh, like does, are thinking, does the league understand what a deadline means? Because a lot of guys are, you know, rely on the league. And, you know, once someone tells you once, hey, this is uh, happening, going to happen now, and it doesn't happen, you're like you're, you're kind of uh, statement so you know fool me one shame on me is that kind of statement right now but they, I'm hearing now the unofficial deadline or the official the last possible time they could you know get anything underway is August 15th that's what I'm hearing so that sorry that would be to start training camp no to agree to, to something. Oh. yeah okay. to, to agree to a deal or you know agree to say that they're they want to play and Things that would have to be in motion, but I like I said, I'm not holding my breath. A lot of guys in the membership are not holding their breath. Um, you know, the thing is, the CFO didn't didn't communicate with the players for so long, and it, it kind of forced guys, a lot of guys that I've talked to, to kind of look at other means of income, and the CFO kind of became secondary. So because of their lack of communication, you know, a lot of guys, you know, put their focus in other endeavors and other other places so that's kind of where a lot of guys are and you know there's there's quite a few other than the rookies guys waiting on the cfo because we know at this point it's not looking good all right uh now if if they say there's a season would you play or would it be your preference to to do something else this fall that's uh that's a good question and at this point i i don't know the answer to that i would have to see what you know what is agreed upon okay are we getting 33 percent still if we're getting 33 percent there's nobody i know in the cfo is going to play for that um just game the game's too dangerous and there's, there's too much of a risk with you know the pandemic and, and football itself and but then okay what's the rest looking like are we going to have four days in, in between games they're going to try to rush it what's the testing looking like are they going to test guys um like three times like they proposed at first or there's going to be every day to make sure that you know this thing is safe um but and also like accommodations like just everything you'd have to consider um it goes into it so monetary and and you know life lifestyle stuff and safety stuff it all has to be considered and I don't, we haven't had any kind of communication where we know um where it's heading or what what it's looking like for that for me to even think about making a decision right so i need a lot more information before uh, I made a decision, but that being said, I love football and would love nothing more than to play. But a lot of things would have to be figured out first. Is it, it like is everything you're hearing that that it would only be a six game regular season with expanded playoffs, or is there any chatter of it still being eight or ten games? 
Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be it's, what I'm hearing is going to be a six game season. They don't want more game. Yeah, the more we're in there, the more uh, money needs to be spent to you know pay players and pay uh, hotel staff and you know living per diem. I think so. They want as little game games as possible um, to help the spending, um, spending wise. And uh, yeah, so it'll only be six with um, uh, event playoffs. All right. Well, that's uh, that's tough to hear. I'm hearing a, a little bit of, uh, well, not a little bit. I'm, I'm hearing pessimism in your voice and your words here about both <laughs> the upcoming season, which is tough. But well, I, no, but I know you're being honest. And I mean, we've we've talked to other players, and 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 Dave and Morley know a lot more guys than I do who are are uh, you know kind of saying the same side of the thing. So that's so 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 that's so that's tough. And obviously, some uh, some pl- players from the United States have said kind of what you were indicating it just wouldn't be worth it to come up and play for that other guy i think greg ellickson has said he would want to play no matter what but i understand that uh that's not a lot of money to make a commitment for for two or three months inside inside a bubble when you might get hurt anyway right and like i said before you know honestly i'm usually a positive guy like always a positive guy but uh and at first i was but then just with the information i've kind of gathered and and heard from you know people on the inside it just it's just left me in a pessimistic uh kind of mood because it's just it's unfortunate that it's come to this um but uh to your point about greg playing and and other guys uh, saying that it's not worth it i mean it's 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 cool but no the league is so camp was supposed to start in may so a lot of guys you know and that i guess that been painted since last november right that was the last game of the season so lots of guys have found like other means of income right like especially in the states if you're on a rookie contract, so you're on a you're you're getting other means of income. The CFO is saying, okay, we might have a season, so leave your job where your your pay is, is, is guaranteed to come here to a bubble where we we don't know if it's gonna work, and also if it doesn't work, you go home with whatever money you had made to that point, and your pay isn't guaranteed. So that's tough on a lot of guys to you know pass that through because you're thinking like. Okay, I love football. I want to play, but if I quit my job now, who's paying me, paying my bills to go to a bubble where if it doesn't work out, I got nothing, and then I have to go try to get my job back? It's just not making sense for a lot of guys. Um, so that's 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 kind of worth that, and it's frustrating because I talk to a lot of guys on a daily basis, and everyone is frustrated. Everyone just wants to play and at least have some communication from the league, like. If, if things are dire, tell us that they're dire so we know, you know what I mean? And that's that's where a lot of guys are, are frustrated because we're having to find our news out from, uh, like, you know, Justin Dunk or Dave Naylor or, you know, other news outlets, and it's, it's unfortunate. All right. Natasha Jay joining us tonight Inside Sports from the Toronto Argos. Used to play for the EEs for the last couple of seasons. Uh, well, thanks for that update. I, I mean, it is it is good to hear from from uh, a member of the Players Association about, about what is going on. Uh, other than that, Nate, uh NBA is starting. Uh, baseball is back, but maybe not for very long. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> hockey starts at full force tomorrow. Uh, what uh, what if I know you got a couple of young kids, but what if anything yeah. have you had time to watch or you? interested in where there's playoffs or anything like that yeah i'm interested in, in all sports honestly um you know uh, during my free time i started a sports podcast so i've been able to uh, talk to a few guys jose batista um and uh, a few nba guys so baseball football basketball is what i'm mainly interested in um, i'm interested to see how the raps are going to do i'm interested to see how the oilers are going to do in this playoff run 
Um, also want to see the hometown Leafs, uh, how they're going to do. So it's it's all on, on, on board on my plate right now. Just you know, As soon as the kids go to bed, put the sports on. It's good to have sports back, like a sports fan. Uh, it's, it's a great time. It's, uh, it's Time will tell how long we'll have baseball on for. So just got to watch as many games as possible because it's not looking good that it's going to last. Uh, their plan is, uh, <laughs> the, shake is the, the ship is sinking. So um, try to watch as much baseball until it crashes. Um, but, yeah, no, it's a great time for sure uh, to have all the sports back. It's, it was surely, it's surely missed. All right. Well, thanks for updating today. Uh, you're always a gentleman, and we appreciate that uh, you're always available and, and you're always uh, you're always honest. Hopefully, we we somehow see you on the field uh, this year. But uh, if not, we look forward to seeing you running wild for the Argos, except against whatever our team winds up being called. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I uh, appreciate you having me on. And anytime you need me, I'm here. Lots of time on my hands these days. <laughs> All right, good man. That is the Teja right. checking in tonight from the Toronto Argos. So there, there it is for members of the Players Association. Not uh, very optimistic that the CFLs going to be able to go ahead with a six-game regular season in a hub city in Winnipeg. And once again, the the deadline pushed back. So we uh, we'll wait and see. But unfortunately, it's not looking good for a CFL season. Here's a, a candidate for the text of the night with 40 minutes left in the show. If you were a GM of the Oilers and you were playing mini sticks in the JW Marriott hallway and you had to pick a forward, a defenseman, and a goaltender, who would you pick? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, I don't think you have to be the GM of the Oilers to put those teams together. I mean, I think if the Oilers decide to play mini sticks in the hallway, I don't think they're going to involve Ken Holland in the team picking process. I think that they will do that themselves. So who would I pick? Uh, I'd put Yamamoto up front. Uh, I, I'd put, uh, I think I'd still pick Clefbaum for defense and then, uh, the goaltender, I don't know who I, maybe I, I might put a non goaltender in goal since it's uh, mini sticks, maybe Ethan bear. Cause he could stop it. And then, you know, another good passer, another good shooter to get it going up the hallway. Uh, that's, that's quite a question. That one, I got a couple of mind boggling comments on the text line tonight. I didn't agree with Dallas about the uh, 1982 Kings and the comparison to this year's Blackhawks. That one stretched my brain a little bit. And now this mini stick question, boy, that's really got me wound up. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight because of that one. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Very uh, special presentation coming up in the last half hour of the show. A recap of the Oilers 2020 season. We're back after the break. You can vote in my extra special Friday fun poll on my Twitter account at Reed Wilkins. Which of these Oilers do you think has the best chance to be this year's Pisani? I'm sure you know what that means from 2006. The choices are Archibald, Athanasiu, Ennis, and Cassian. And Ennis with a solid lead right now. And uh, people are writing in their own players. So this is also a test of reading comprehension because the poll says, which of these Oilers? It does not say right in an Oiler. Frustrated fan said uh, Tippett was interviewed on another station. He said that, uh, or Tippett or Holland was interviewed, that he knows who's starting in goal, but it's up to Tippett to tell us. I'm sure Dave Tippett and Ken Holland have known for several days who's starting in goal. They just don't want to tell us. Ron says, hi, Reed. I have an off-the-wall question about tomorrow's game. How high do you think the 50-50 will get? 
And do you think they will keep it when hockey goes back to normal with fans in the seats? I think the 50-50 tomorrow, uh, oh man, like I think it's going to be half a million dollars. I really do. Am I am I out to lunch, Ron? I think the 50-50 is going to be half a million dollars. Because uh, you can start buying in the morning, right? And then it, it continues uh, after the game. I got an email on this here. I'll quickly check it. Uh, Bob Bob had uh, Natalie Minkler on the show, but I think there was uh, uh, they had a bit of a connection issue. But I, yeah, I think it's going to be huge, and I, and I assume that you mean will they continue doing it online once fans are back in the building? I don't know. So here we go. Uh, available online to Oilers fans across Alberta beginning August 1st. And for each subsequent Oilers game, the new 50-50 raffle will give fans a chance to win the same jackpots that fans have enjoyed at Rogers Place. Uh, it supports the Empton Oilers Community Foundation. Uh, the average jackpot in 1920 was 87000 the largest ever was April 12, 2017. First playoff game at Rogers Place was 337000 So it's online. Ticket sales open at 9 a.m. The winning ticket number is posted at edmontonoilers.com slash 5050, no later than 1130 Mountain on game day. Uh, so it goes from 9 in the morning until 1030 at night. One ticket is 5 bucks. You can get 200 tickets for 50 bucks. It's going to be half a million dollars. Like, seriously, Ron, what do you think? I, I, like, it, it's going to be massive. It, people can buy all day. And I, I realize when you're at the game, you might have 20 bucks in your wallet and go up and get a ticket. But sometimes you might not have the money or forget or not have time. You're gonna, most people are going to be at home all day and be hearing people like me and their friends talk about getting the 50-50 uh, online. Friend, you can buy from 9 a.m. until 10.30 at night. Uh, in my math, that's 13 and a half hours to buy a ticket as opposed to the pregame and the first two periods when you're at a game. It's going to be half a million dollars. I don't know if they'll keep uh, doing it this way. 780-496-0063. Dirk says, uh, my breakout player, Jujar Kara, with honorable mention to Zach Cassian, both seem built for playoff hockey. I predict the Oilers and the Penguins in the final. How about that? All right, some breaking news here concerning the Oilers. Chris Johnston from Sportsnet reporting this on Twitter. The NHL has made a ruling on the conditions in the July 2019 James Neal-Milan-Lucic trade. The Oilers will transfer their third-round pick in either 2020 or 2021 to the Flames to complete the deal. Edmonton has until the start of the third round in 2020 to decide which pick. Now, let's recap the original conditions of that deal from July of last year, a little over a year ago. The conditions were these. Oilers forward James Neal has to score at least 21 goals in the season, and forward Milan Lucic has to score 10 fewer goals, or sorry, at least 10 fewer goals than James Neal in the season. If only one or none of the conditions are met, the Oilers will not have to send a draft pick to Calgary. Well, the NHL has uh, changed its mind and fiddled with this because of the shortened season. Only one of those conditions were met, and that was Luch was over 10 behind James Neal. Neal outscored him 19-8, but Neal didn't get to 21. So what were they going to do? Well, they have decided 
that they uh, are going to make the Oilers give up a third round pick. It was it, the original deal was for a 2020 conditional third rounder. It will now be a, uh, a third rounder either this year or next. The Oilers have until the start of the third round this year to make a decision. So the, I'm sure you're not happy with this because this does not go the Oilers way. Um, there was no guarantee James Neal was going to get to 21. And there, I suppose there was no guarantee if they played all 82 games, he was going to be more than 10 ahead of Lucic. I mean, it was 19-8. So if they just would have left it it as is and said the numbers are the numbers, the Oilers would not have to give up the conditional pick. So they do fudge it a little bit by saying it was this year or next. Um, But the Flames will get a third-round pick from from the Oilers. So, yeah, interesting stuff there. Just double-checking, I got all that right. Yeah, that's what it is. So Chris Johnson update. So the, and it actually, if you follow Chris, you'll see he's tweeting a few other things that the NHL has, uh, has decided about uh, conditional trades and things like that as well. So there you have it. The Oilers will have to give up a third-rounder to the Flames, even though both conditions of the Neil Lucic trade were not met. And obviously they're... Uh, doing this because the full season was not played. I already have someone texting in BS, a deal is a deal. Well, I hear you. We can write Gary Bettman a strongly worded letter, I suppose. All right, so that's the ruling there. That's the latest we have. Chris uh, just tweeted that out about 10 minutes ago. Oilers getting ready for the Blackhawks tomorrow. 11 a.m. face-off show here on 6.30. Chad, the game starts at 1. Dave Tippett today asked about his leadership group stepping up. Well, I think our group, like you say, they have been excellent since the start of the year. You know, we talked about we want to earn the right to be a playoff team, and uh, we've got ourselves in position to do that. Um, you know, our leadership group group took a big uh, a big chunk of that, and there's two ways they do it. I mean, obviously, they, I think they really like each other. There's a good group in the room, and they hold each other accountable. But the other thing they do is they show it on the ice, and... You know, if it's any indication, Connor's come back to uh, to our little training camp here, and he's been excellent every day. And uh, when he when he's out there playing the way he can, he drags everybody along with him. So our our leadership group has been excellent throughout the year. Uh, they come back with a great attitude. They they recognize that this is unique situation, and we're going to have to earn our way to be a playoff team. And uh, that's been our focus since uh, since we started camp. But I give that group a, a lot of credit. They've been they've been excellent since the start of the year. All right, a little bit there from uh, Dave Tippett, who's actually been giving us some pretty uh, good quotes in the in the three weeks here of, of training camp. And I really like this one uh, as well about the role of a coach. I think one of the coach's biggest jobs is to find ways where you can maximize the people you have and. You know, in the bottom six, you're looking for people to fill roles there, whether it's a checking role, penalty kill role, secondary scoring, some size, face-offs. I mean, there's a lot of different aspects there you're looking at. And it, uh, you know, when you get your, your team together, you're trying to find where people fit best and where they can contribute the most to maximize the talents that they have. And, you know, you're looking for people that, can play in certain roles that help your team win in those. So whether it's a checking line or some penalty killers, and I feel like we've got some real capable parts there. 
you're always trying to tweak them and trying to figure out where you can get the best out of them. But, uh, you know, it goes up and down a little bit, but I feel like our guys have accepted roles and uh, really tried to strive to use those roles to help our team win. I think that's a big reason the Oilers were better this year, that they have players in roles, they have players in proper roles. First of all, Ken Holland going out and making some key additions. Obviously, Sheen and Archibald at the top of the list, and then Dave Tippett able to put those players in positions to succeed, penalty killing being the biggest one because the Oilers' PK completely transformed this season from where it was the previous two years. All right, uh, again, uh, I'll just repeat this if you're just tuning in or if it's still sinking in. The NHL, this is Chris Johnston reporting on Twitter. He's with Sportsnet. The NHL has made a ruling on the conditions of the Neil Lucic trade. The Oilers will have to transfer their third round pick either this year or next to complete the deal. The original conditions of the trade, there were two of them, were not met. One of the two of them was met. Originally, when the trade was made last July, it was that both conditions were going to have to be met for the third round pick to go to Calgary, and it was going to be for 2020. Well, the the league is basically saying they didn't play the whole season. Uh, one condition, I suppose, is going to be enough for us, so the Oilers have to give up their third-round pick, but now the Oilers get to choose if it's this year or next year, and they have until the start of the third round in 2020 to decide. Uh, I realize I am the bearer of bad news on the eve of the playoffs when we're trying to be all positive and happy and excited because I'm sure uh, those of you at Oil Country will not like this decision by the National Hockey League. I, I mean, I, I, I mean that's tough. If you're going to prorate it, so Neil had 19 goals and his team played 71 games. I don't, I don't even think that's 21 prorated. I'm going to get on my calculator right now and do a good old uh, ratio calculation. Oh, I guess it is 21. So I guess if they, they prorated it and said he likely would have got to 21, that was if he played all his game. And I guess if they used Neil's games played or goals per games played, it would have been even higher. Let me just double check this math again. Equals that divided by, yeah, 21.9 goals. So Neil's pace was to get almost three goals in the final 11 games of the season. So the Oilers have to give up that pick. All right. Uh, 780-496-0063 is how you can call or text. Very special presentation when we get back. A look back on the Oilers' regular season. Good to talk with him. Kevin Lowe scheduled to join us on the Faceoff show tomorrow as we get you ready for game one of the Oilers and the Hawks. All right. Big thanks to Russ Moore in our production department as he had a big hand in putting this together. Let's look back on the Oilers' regular season. The biggest question going into the season was Connor McDavid's left knee. He was injured slamming into the post in the final game of the previous season. He got into a couple of preseason games, but the big test was the opener on October 2nd against Vancouver. McDavid passed with flying colors. Now you've got Benning, drop pass, dry something, McDavid down the middle, wrist shot, score! Connor McDavid, just like that, has made it 3-2 Edmonton, 5-23 to play! the Oilers burst out to a 5-0 start with an off-season acquisition leading the way. McDavid and now Clefbaum will walk the line. Oilers on the power play trailing 2-1. Shot McDavid. Rebound score. James Neal. His first is an Oiler. Here's Neal. Turn. Fire. Save. Rebound score. Neal's got two. And Edmonton's regained the lead. Clefbaum raked 
it away from him, and here's Neal on the counter to Yurcho, right circle, back to Neal. What timer score? He's got four. It's the first four-goal game of his career for the real deal. Neal scored 11 goals in the first 14 games of the season. The Oilers were 9-4-1 in October. Then they went into Pittsburgh for a matinee against the Penguins. Dumoulin slides it in front. Quick shot and a save on Teddy Bluger by Smith. He's been outstanding. Now Tana fires right to the gut of Mike Smith. He's had to be sharp, and he has been. Mike Smith turned in a performance for the ages, stopping 51 shots. The game went to overtime, tied 1-1. Rebound picked up by Drysaddle. Here comes Edmonton. Drysaddle racing for the net. Draw a penalty. Shot scored. Leon Drysaddle's won the game. A brilliant individual rush down the left-hand side. The game also featured a memorable goal in regulation time. Leave up the right-hand side for Cave. He'll drive to the net. Score. There you go. Right on cue. Colby Cave down the right-hand side. Dragged across the blue paint and tucked it inside the far post. That turned out to be Colby Cave's final goal in the NHL. He passed away on April 11th at the age of 25. After a win in Vancouver to start December, the Oilers were still looking good with a record of 17-9-3. Then the hard times hit. Walks down the slot, Johansson back door, wrist shot, score! Colin Miller, who was a healthy scratch yesterday, beats Mike Smith, and Buffalo prevails in overtime. Harner in front, gets it back, can't shoot, now fires and scores. Toronto. You know, obviously, I know I've been, you know, pretty lately. So, but um, sorry about my word words there. So this one for Oilers fans, mercifully over. Final score: 5-1 Calgary. The Oilers went through a stretch of 12 games with only three wins. They started the second half of the season on New Year's Eve against the New York Rangers. What timer score? Hat trick, James Neal, his second of the year, and here comes the headgear. Edmonton blowing the Rangers out on New Year's Eve. In front, Richard score. Six nothing. What a sequence! And Archibald finishes it, and Georgiev has had enough. He shatters his goalie stick. It was six nothing Oilers late in the second period. But the fireworks were just starting. Here's Panarin in over the line, right wing. Wrist shot, score! And it's 6-4. Wrist shot, Koskinen, that's a goal! Zabanajed, it's going to count, and it's 6-5. Finally, a player freshly called up from the minors helped seal the win. Stolen by Yamamoto, 2-on-1, net is empty. Kara, back to Yamamoto! He shoots and scores! Tyler Yamamoto! was a sign of things to come for Yamamoto. Top of the left circle, he'll swing it over to Caleb Jones. In front, one-timer score, Kyler Yamamoto. A beauty. Dreisaitl wins the draw, quick shot, save, rebound, score. Yamamoto. Playing primarily with Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he wound up with 26 points in 27 games. Clef bump, saucer to Neal, who started this whole sequence with an alert steal. Big hit. Thunderous hit by Kachuk. And then Cassian's going to go after Kachuk and try to fight him. And he throws.
Pulls him down and lands a couple of left hooks. And Kachuk just trying to cover up right now. Cassian continues to fire away with left hands. And Kachuk never got on track there. He never wanted to square up with Cassian. The renewed fire in the Battle of Alberta took center stage when the teams met three times in three weeks. Zach Cassian was slapped with a two-game suspension for going after Matthew Kachuk on January 11th in Calgary. He's just a young punk that has to fear that aspect out in the game. In fact, he's a pretty good player, but he's, he's a Straight up. He wouldn't fight me two years ago. Said I was a fourth liner, now I have 13 goals. What's the, what's the excuse now? You know what I mean? The stage was set for the rematch. January 29th at Rogers Place. 3.50 to go first period, and now we've got rough stuff. Monahan Sean Monahan and Nugent Hopkins. Monahan and Nugent Hopkins, not the combatants you'd expect. Monahan misses badly with a right. Nugent Hopkins landing with a couple of right hands and another right hand. He caught Monahan three times, did Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Crowd can feel it, and we're going to go. There's Cassian. Lands a couple of left hands early on Matthew Kachuk, who goes down, and Cassian keeps feeding him. He drilled him with another left-handed shot. Kachuk probably pops right up and wants to go. And he's unable to do so. Matthew Kachuk asked for it. He got it. And he took a couple of fistic left-hand shots. The Flames won the game 4-3 in a shootout. Three days later, the Oilers played one of their best games of the season. They tied a team record with 24 shots on goal in the second period. They won 8-3. And oh yeah, this happened. And Matthew Kachuk and Ethan Bear are going to drop the gloves. Bear belts him with the right hand. Kachuk counters with a straight right. Right hook, Ethan Bear. Left jab, Matthew Kachuk. And now we're going to have a goalie fight. Bear throws the right hand. Here comes Cam Talbot and Mike Smith. They're going to go at center ice. Talbot short with the right hand. Smith, three clubbing right hands. Right hand Talbot. Big right-handed shot from Mike Smith. This is the battle of Alberta we've been waiting for for three decades. The Oilers were without an injured McDavid for six games in February, but were able to keep banking points. Dry settle with Ajo back. Jordan is Archibald. Centering pass Archibald. Rich hat Josh Archibald wins the game. 4-3 Edmonton in Dreisaitl took his game to new heights in the second half of the schedule. On March 2nd in Nashville, he picked apart the Predators. Oilers up 6-3. Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl shoots and scores. Hat trick, Leon Dreisaitl. The third of his career. And Edmonton is running Nashville at Pecorine right out of the building. Here's McDavid right corner in front. Rich shot score. That's four for Leon Dreisaitl. Eight. Edmonton. Dreisaitl would win the Art Ross Trophy with 110 points. He's a finalist for the Hart Trophy and Ted Lindsay Award. Gets us a little bit deeper, gives the coaches some some options on their line combinations. They give us some insurance as we head down the stretch in our pursuit of a playoff spot. At the trade deadline, the Oilers brought in Andreas Athanasiu and Mike Green from Detroit and Tyler Ennis from Ottawa. Green was injured in his second game and has opted out of the return to play. Morrissey, the outlet. Connor at center ice. Shoots and scores. 4-2 Jets. 40 seconds to play. It's obviously, it's not just a sports thing. It's a life thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll just follow the directive of uh, the uh, 
NHL and the NHLPA what they decide. To me, I'm thinking this is the end of the season for now. I think the, the season, if I'm a player in the dressing room, I think the season is being suspended, and I would expect it to. When the season was paused, the Oilers were 37-25-9, and three points behind Vegas for first in the division. Now, after waiting four and a half months, the strangest season in NHL history gets back on track. All aboard, Oil Country. The best part of the ride is straight ahead. All right. That's how we got here. Big thanks to Russ Moore and our production department for putting that together. And that goes all the way back to the first week of October. And that's all the action that happened for the Oilers, a summary of the big moments and some of the lows, obviously, through 71 games. And we waited and uh, we worried, certainly, and we still are worried when it comes to the pandemic. But the NHL has done a pretty good job. Darren Dreger from TSN today reporting no positive tests inside the bubble in Edmonton, no positive tests inside the bubble in Toronto. So the NHL has done a great job pulling it off. You contrast it with Major League Baseball with, uh, what, six teams not able to play today and games being postponed and baseball's worried about the season even being able to be finished. And they shortened it all the way down to 60 games. I am pretty optimistic about hockey. And, man, it is going to be exciting. It is unprecedented. It is certainly unpredictable. It's uh, certainly going to give everybody missing sports a lot to to listen to and a lot to watch and a lot to follow. And the highlight shows are going to be back uh, five games tomorrow. Some games, some days are going to have six games here in the qualifying round. And uh, you're going to be getting a, a lot of hockey. You can start in the morning and, and you may be up really late, really, really late if games get pushed back because of earlier games going into overtime. It, it is all coming up. And of course, 630 Chet is your home for all the Oilers action. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays from noon to two. Bob will have a show on the holiday Monday because that's a game day. So the short term schedule is tomorrow, 11 a.m. faceoff show game at one against Chicago games two and three are Monday and Wednesday respectively. And they are uh, six o'clock face-off shows and the games start at eight 30. Now, if there are games four and five in this series, they're next Friday and Saturday. They haven't announced the start times because they're going to see what happens with other series and they'll, you know, adjust things. So it's kind of at the, at the best time for people to watch. And it makes sense for that, uh, for that arena. But we are here. We are on the eve of a game night and this is going to be exciting the Oilers and the Hawks uh, we've been talking about it on this show Edmonton a pretty good season should have more firepower but what about the big guys on Chicago and their pride and their playoff experience what is going to win out big thanks to Dave Campbell he's the producer of Inside Sports Angie Quinnell your studio operator this evening I will talk to you at 11 a.m. for the face-off show I'm looking forward to it have a great night thank you so much for tuning in 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.